Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we are going to read chapters 19 through 20. And I have an announcement to make, and that announcement is I am now going to make my episodes on Saturdays. And uh, let's do a quick recap of what has happened uh, in the past chapters. Now, Percy and Annabeth and Grover all were go- are going on a quest to uh, retrieve uh, Poseidon's li- Zeus's lightning bolt, which Zeus had accused Poseidon of stealing. And since Percy is the son of Poseidon, he if he gets it, then Poseidon's name will be cleared. And so they have fought many monsters, such as Cerberus. They uh, went. Da- they are right now in. Uh, Hades, Hades Underworld, and yeah, and now we're going to read chapters 19 through 20. We find out the truth, sort of. Imagine the largest crowd, concert crowd you've ever seen, a football field packed with a million fans. Now imagine a field a million times that big, packed with people, and imagine the electricity has gone out, and there is no noise, no light, no beach ball bouncing around over the crowd. Something tragic has happened backstage. Whispering masses of people are just milling around in the shadows, waiting for a concert that will never start. If you can picture that, you have a pretty good idea of what the fields of asphodel look like. The black grass had been trampled by eons of dead feet. A warm, moist wind blew like the breath of a swamp. Black trees, Grover told me they were poplars, grew in clumps here and there. The cavern ceiling was so high above us, it might have been a bank of storm clouds except for the stalactites, which glowed faint gray and looked wickedly pointed. I tried not to imagine they'd fall on us at any moment, but dotted around the fields were several that had fallen and impaled themselves in the black grass. I guess the dead themselves, I guess the dead didn't have to worry about little hazards like being speared by stalactites the size of booster rockets. Annabeth, the Grover, and I tried to blend into the crowd, keeping an eye out for security ghouls. I couldn't help look, help looking for familiar faces among the spirits of Asphodel, but the dead are hard to look at. Their faces shimmer. They all look slightly angry or confused. They'll come up to you to, and speak, but their voices sound like chatter, like bats twittering. Once they realize you can't understand them, they frown and move away. The dead aren't scary, they're just sad. We crept along, following the line of new arrivals that snaked from the main gates toward a black-tented pavilion with a banner that read, Judgments for Elysium and Eternal Damnation. Welcome, newly deceased. Out the back of the tent came two much smaller lines. To the left, spirits flanked by security ghouls were marched down a rocky path towards the fields of punishment, which glowed and smoked in the distance. A vast cracked wasteland with rivers of lava and minefields and miles of barbed wire separating the different torture areas. Even from far away, I could see people being chased by hellhounds, burned at the stake, forced to run naked through cactus patches or listen to opera music. I could just make out a tiny hill with the ant-sized figure of Sisyphus, Sisyphus struggling to move his boulder to the top. And I saw worse tortures too, things I don't want to describe. The line coming from the right side of the Judgment Pavilion was much better. This one led down toward a small valley surrounded by walls, a gated community which seemed to be the only part of the underworld. Beyond the security gate were neighborhoods of beautiful houses from every time period in history. 
Roman villas and medieval time medieval castles and Victorian mansions. Silver and gold flowers boomed on the lawns. The grass rippled in rainbow colors. I could hear laughter and smell barbecue cooking. Elysium. In the middle of that valley was a glittering blue lake, with three small islands like a vacation resort in the Bahamas, the Isles of the Blessed, for people who had chosen to be reborn three times, and three times achieved Elysium. Immediately, I knew that's where I wanted to go when I died. That's what it's all about, Annabeth said, like she was reading my thoughts. That's the place for heroes. But I thought of how few people there were in Elysium, how tiny it was compared to the fields of asphodel or even the fields of punishment. So few people did good in their lives. It was depressing. We left the judgment pavilion and moved deeper into the asphodel fields. It got darker. The colors faded from our clothes. The crowds of chattering spirits began to thin. After a few miles of walking, we began to hear a familiar screen in the distance. Looming on the horizon was a palace of glittering black obsidian. Above the parapets swirled three dark bat-like creatures, the Furies. I got the feeling they were waiting for us. I suppose it's too late to turn back, Grover said wistfully. We'll be okay. I tried to sound confident. Maybe we should search some of the other places first, Grover suggested. Like Elysium, for instance. Come on, goat boy. Annabeth grabbed his arm. Grover yelped. His sneakers sprouted wings and his legs shot forward, pulling him away from Annabeth. He landed flat on his back in the grass. Grover, Annabeth chided. Stop messing around. But I didn't. He yelped again. His shoes were flapping like crazy now. They levitated off the ground and started dragging him away from us. Maya! He yelled, but the magic word seemed to have no effect. Maya! Already! 911! Help! I got over being stunned and made a grab for Grover's hand, but too late. He was picking up speed, skidding downhill like a bobsled. We ran after him. Annabeth shouted, Untie the shoes! It was a smart idea, but I guess it's not so easy when your shoes are pulling you along feet first at full speed. Grover tried to sit up, but he couldn't get close to the laces. We kept him after we kept after him, trying to keep him in sight as he zipped between the legs of spirits who chattered at him in annoyance. I was sure Grover was going to barrel straight through the gates of Hades' palace, but his shoes veered sharply to the right and dragged him in the opposite direction. The slope got steeper. Grover picked up speed. Annabeth and I had to sprint to keep up. The cavern walls narrowed on each side. I realized we'd entered some kind of side tunnel. No black grass or trees now, just rock underfoot, and the dim light of the stalactites above. Grover! I yelled, my voice echoing. Hold on to something! What? He yelled back. He was grabbing at gravel, but there was nothing big enough to slow him down. The tunnel got darker and colder. The hairs on my arms bristled. It smelled evil down here. It made me think of things I shouldn't even know about. Blood spilled on an ancient stone altar. The foul breath of a murder. Then I saw what was ahead of us, and I stopped dead in my tracks. The tunnel widened into a huge dark cavern, and in the middle was a chasm the size of a city block. Grover was sliding straight toward the edge. Come on, Percy! Annabeth yelled, tugging at my wrist. But that's... I know, she shouted, the place you described in your dream. But Grover's gonna fall if we don't catch him. She was right, of course. Grover's predicament got me moving again. 
He was yelling, clawing at the ground, but the winged shoes kept dragging him toward the pit, and it didn't look like we could possibly get to him in time. What saved him were his hoofs. The flying sneakers had always been a loose fit on him, and finally Grover hit a big rock, and left, and the left shoe came flying off. It sped into the darkness, down into the chasm. The right shoe kept tugging him along, but not as fast. Grover was able to slow himself down by grabbing onto the big rock and using it like an anchor. He was 10 feet from the edge of the pit when we caught him and hauled him back up the slope. The other wing shoe tugged itself off, circled around us angrily, and kicked our heads in protest before flying off into the chasm to join its twin. We all collapsed, exhausted, on the obsidian gravel. My limbs felt like lead. Even my backpack seemed heavier, as if somebody had filled it with rocks. Grover was scratched up pretty bad. His hands were bleeding, his eyes had gone slip-pupiled, Goat style, the way they did whenever he was terrified. I don't know how, he panted. I didn't. Wait, I said. Listen. I heard something, a deep whisper in the darkness. Another few seconds, and Annabeth said, Percy, this place? Shh. I stood. The sound was getting louder, a muttering evil voice from far, far below us, coming from the pit. Grover sat up. What's that noise? Grover, Annabeth heard it too now. I could see in her eyes. Tartarus. The entrance to Tartarus. I uncapped Anaclusmos. The brown sword expanded, gleaming in the darkness. And the evil voice just seemed to falter. Just for a moment, before resuming its chant. I could almost make out words now. Ancient, ancient words. Older than, even than Greek. As if, magic. I said, we have to get out of here. Together, we dragged Grover to his hooves and started back up the tunnel. My legs wouldn't move fast enough. My backpack weighed me down. The voice got louder and angrier behind us, and we broke into a run. Not a moment too soon. A cold blast of wind pulled at our backs as if the entire pit were inhaling. For a terrifying moment, I lost ground, my my feet slipping in the gravel. If we'd been any closer to the edge, we would have been sucked in. We kept struggling forward and finally reached the top of the tunnel, where the cavern widened out into the fields of asphodel. The wind died. A wail of outrage echoed from deep in the tunnel. Something was not happy we'd gotten away. What was that? Grover panted when we cool collapsed in the relative safety of a black black poplar grove. One of Hades' pets? Annabeth and I looked at each other. I could tell she was nursing an idea. Probably the same one she got during the taxi ride to L.A., but she was too scared to share it. That was enough to terrify me. I capped my sword, put the pen back in my pocket. Let's keep going. I looked at Grover. Can you walk? He swallowed. Yeah, sure. I never liked those shoes anyway. He tried to sound brave, but he was trembling as badly as Annabeth and I were. Whatever was in that pit was nobody's pet. It was unspeakable, unspeakably old and powerful. Even Ectidna ha- hadn't given me that feeling. I was almost relieved to turn my back on that tunnel and head toward the Palace of Hades. Almost. The Furies circled the parapets, high in the gloom. The outer walls of the fortress glittered back, and the two-story tall bronze gates stood wide open. Up close, I saw that the engravings on the sa- gates were the scenes of death. Some were were from modern terms, times. An atomic bomb exploding over a city. A trench filled with gas masks. Wearing soldiers, 
A line of African famine victims waiting with empty bowls, but all of them look like as they've been etched into the bronze thousands of years ago. I wondered if I was looking at prophecies that had come true. Inside the courtyard was the strangest garden I've ever seen. Multicolored mushrooms, poisonous shrubs, and weird luminous plants grew without, without sunlight. Precious jewels made up for the lack of flowers. Piles of ruby as big as my fist. Clumps of raw diamonds standing there and there like frozen party guests were Medusa's garden statues. Petrified children, satires, and centaurs all smiling grotesquely. In the center of the garden was an orchard of pomegranate trees. The orange blooms neon and bright in the dark. The garden of Persephone, Annabeth said. Keep walking. I understood why she wanted to move on. The tart smell of those pomegranates was almost overwhelming. I had a sudden desire to eat them, but then I remembered the story of Persephone. One bite of underworld, uh, underworld food, and we would never be able to leave. I pulled a grover away to keep him from picking a big, juicy one. We walked up the steps of the palace, between bad black columns, through a black marble portico, and into the house of Hades. The entry hall had a polished bronze floor, which seemed to boil in the reflected torchlight. There was no ceiling, just the cavern roof up far above. I guess they had never had to worry about rain down there. Every side doorway was guarded by a skeleton in military gear. Some wore Greek armor, some British red coat uniforms, some cal- camouflage with tattered American flags on the shoulders. They carried spears or muskets or M16s. None of them bothered us, but their hollow eye sockets followed us as we walked down the hall toward the big set of doors at the opposite end. Two U.S. Marine skeletons guarded the doors. They grinned down at us, rocket-propelled grenade, grenade launchers held across their chests. You know, Grover mumbled, I bet Hades doesn't have trouble with door-to-door salesmen. My backpack weighed a ton now. I couldn't figure out why. I wanted to open it, check to see if I had somehow picked up a stray bowling ball, but this wasn't the time. Well, guys, I said, I suppose we should knock? A hot wind blew down the corridor and door swung open the guards stepped aside i guess that means entrevue annabeth said the room inside looked like just like in my dream except this time the throne of hades was occupied he was the third god i met but the first who really struck me as godlike he was at least 10 feet tall for one thing and was dressed in black silk robes and a crown of braided gold his skin was albino white. His hair shoulder his hair his hair shoulder length and jet black. He wasn't bulked up like Ares, but he radiated power. He lounged on his throne and effused human bones, looking light, graceful, and dangerous as a panther. I immediately felt like he should be giving the orders. He knew more than I did. He should be my master. Then I told myself to snap out of it. Hades's aura was affecting me, just as Ares had. The Lord of the Dead resembled pictures I'd seen of Adolf Hitler or Napoleon, or the terrorist leaders who direct suicide bombers. Hades had the same intense eyes, the same kind of mesmerizing evil charisma. You are brave to come here, son of Poseidon, he said in an oily voice. After what you have done to me, very brave indeed. Or perhaps you are simply very foolish. Numbness crept into my joints, tempting me to lie down and just take a little nap at Hades' feet. Curl up here and sleep forever. I fought the feeling and stepped forward. I knew what I had to say. Lord and uncle, I come with two requests. 
Hades raised an eyebrow. When he sat forward in his throne, shadowy faces appeared in the folds of his black robes, faces of torment, as if the garment was stitched of trapped souls from the fields of punishment, trying to get out. The ADHD part of me wondered, off task, whether the rest of his clothes were made the same way. What horrible things would you have to do in your life to get woven into Hades' underwear? Only two requests, Hades said. Arrogant child, as if you have all have not already taken enough. Speak, then, speak, then. It amuses me not to strike you dead yet. I swallowed. This was going about as well as I feared. I glanced at the empty, smaller throne next to Hades. It was shaped like a black flower, gilded with gold. I wish Queen Persephone were here. I recalled something in the midst about how she would, ca- she would, she would could calm her husband's moods. But it was summer, of course. Persephone would be above in the world of light with her mother, the goddess of agriculture, Demeter. Her visits, not the tilt of the planet, create the seasons. Annabeth cleared her throat. Her finger prodded me in the back. Lord Hades, I said. Look, sir, there can't be a war among the gods. It would be bad. Really bad, Grover added helpfully. Return Zeus's master bolt to me, I said. Please, sir. Let me carry it to Olympus. Hades' eyes grew dangerously bright. You dare keep up this pretense after what you have done? I glanced back at my friends. They looked as confused as I was. Um, uncle, I said, you keep saying after what you have done. What exactly have I done? The throne room shook with a tremor so strong they probably felt it upstairs in Los Angeles. Debris fell from the cavern ceiling. Doors burst open all along the walls, and skeletal warriors marched in, hundreds of them from every time period and nation in the Western civilization. They linked the perimeter of the room, blocking the exits. Hades bellowed. Do you think I want war, godling? I wanted to say, well, these guys don't look like peace activists, but I thought that, me a dan- that might be a dangerous answer. You are the lord of the dead. I said carefully, a war would expand your kingdom, right? A typical thing for my brothers to say. Do you think I need more subjects? Did you not see the sprawl of the Asphodel fields? Well, have you any idea how much my kingdom has swollen in this past century alone? How many subdivisions I've had to open? I opened my mouth to respond, but Hades was on a roll now. More security goals? He he moaned. Traffic problems at the Judgment Pavilion? Double overtime for the staff? I used to be a rich god, Percy. I control all the precious metals under the earth, but my expenses... Karen wants a pay raise, I blurted, just remembering the fact. As soon as I said it, I wish I could sew up my mouth. Don't get me started on Karen, Hades yelled. He's been impossible ever since he discovered Italian suits. Problems everywhere, Now I've got to handle all of them personally. The commute time alone from the palace to the gates is enough to drive me insane. And the dead just keep arriving. No, godling, I need no help getting subjects. I did not ask for this war. But you took Zeus's master bowl. Lies. More rumbling. Hades rose from his throne, towering to the height of a football goalpost. Your father may fool Zeus, boy, but I am not so stupid. I see his plan. His plan? You were the thief on the winter solstice, he said. Your father thought to keep you his tile secret. He directed you into the throne room on Olympus. 
you took the Master Ball and my home. Had I not sent my fury to discover you at Anti Academy, Poseidon might have succeeded in hiding his scheme to start a war. But now you have been forced into the open. You will be exposed as Poseidon's thief, and I will have my helm back. But, Annabeth spoke, I could tell her mind was going a million times, a million miles an hour. Lord Hades, your helm of darkness is missing too? Do not play innocent with me, girl. You and the satire have been helping this hero, coming here to threaten me in Poseidon's name, no doubt to bring me an ultimatum. Does Poseidon think I can be blackmailed into supporting him? No, I said. Poseidon didn't. I didn't. I have said nothing about of the helm's disappearance, Hades snarled, because I had no illusions that anyone Olympus would offer me the slightest justice, the slightest help. I can ill afford for word to get out that my most powerful weapon of fear is missing. So I searched for you myself, and when it was clear you were coming to me to deliver your threat, I did not try to stop you. You didn't try to stop us, but return my helm now, or I will stop death. Hades threatened. That is my counter-proposal. I will open the earth and have the dead pour back into the world. I will make your lands a nightmare, and you, Percy Jackson, your skeleton, will lead my army out of Hades. The skeletal soldier, soldiers all took one step forward, making their weapons ready. At that point, I probably should have been terrified. The strange thing was, I felt offended. Nothing gets me angrier than being accused of something I didn't do. I've had a lot of experience with that. You're as bad as Zeus, I said. You think I stole from you? That's why you sent the Furies after me? Of course, Hades said. And the other monsters? Hades curled his lip. Well, I had nothing to do with them. I wanted no quick death for you. I wanted you brought before me alive so you might face every torture in the fields of punishment. Why do you think I let you enter my kingdom so easily? Easily? Return my property. I, but I don't have your helm. I came for the Master Bowl, which you already possess. Hades shouted, you came here with it, little fool, thinking you could threaten me. But I didn't. Open your pack then. A horrible feeling struck me. The weight in my backpack, like a bowling ball? It couldn't be. I slung it off my shoulder and unzipped it. Inside was a two-foot-long metal cylinder, spiked on both ends, humming with energy. Percy, Annabeth said, how? I, I, don't I don't know. I don't understand. You heroes are always the same, Hades said. Your pride makes you foolish, thinking you could bring such a weapon before me. I did not ask for Zeus's Master Bowl, but since it is here, you will yield it to me. I am sure it will make an excellent bargaining tool. And now, my helm, where is it? I was speechless. I had no helm. I had no idea how the Master Bowl had gotten into my backpack. I wanted to think Hades was pulling some kind of trick. Hades was the bad guy, but suddenly the world turned sideways. I realized I'd been played with. Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades had been set at each other's throats by someone else. The Master Bowl had been in the backpack, and I'd gotten the backpack from... Lord Hades, wait, I said. This is all a mistake. A mistake? Hades roared. The skeletons aimed their weapons. From high above, there's a fluttering of leathery wings, and all and the three furies swooped down to perch on the back of their master's throne. The one with Mrs. Dodd's face grinned at me eagerly and flicked her whip. There is no mistake, Hades said. I know why you have come. I know the real reason you brought the bull. You came to bargain for her. 
Hades loosed a ball of gold fire from his palm. It exploded on the steps in front of me. And there was my mother, frozen in a shower of gold, just as she was at the moment when the minotaur began to squeeze her to death. I couldn't speak. I reached out to touch her, but the light was as hot as a bonfire. Yes, Hades said with satisfaction. I took her. I knew, Percy Jackson, that you would come to Pargain with me eventually. Return my helm, and perhaps I will let her go. She is not dead, you know. Not yet. But if you displease me, that will change. I thought about the pearls in my pockets. Maybe they could get me out of this. If I could just get my mom free. Ah, the pearls, Hades said, and my blood froze. Yes, my brother and his little tricks. Bring them forth, Percy Jackson. My hand moved against my will and brought out the pearls. Only three. What a shame. You do realize each only protects a single person. Try to take your mother then, little godling. And which of your friends will you leave behind to spend eternity with me? Go on, choose, or give me the backpack and accept my terms. I looked at Annabeth and Grover. Their faces were grim. We were tricked, I told them. Set up. Yes, but why? Annabeth asked. And the voice in the pit? I don't know yet, I said, but I tend to ask. I intend to ask. Decide, boy, Hades yelled. Percy, Grover put his hand on my shoulder. You can't give him the bolt. I know that. Leave me here, he said. Use the third pearl on your mom. No, I'm a satire, Grover said. We don't have souls like humans do. He can torture me until I die, but he won't get me forever. I'll just be reincarnated as a flower or something. It's the best way. No, Ambed drew her bronze knife. You two go on. Grover, you have to protect Percy. You have to get your searcher's license and start your quest for Pan. Get his mom out of there. I'll cover you. I plan to go down fighting. No way, Grover said. I'm staying behind. Think again, goat boy, Ambed said. Stop it, both of you. I felt like my heart was being ripped in two. They've both been with me through so much. I remember Grover dive-bombing Medusa in the statue garden and Annabeth saving us from Cerberus. We'd survived Hephaestus' Waterland ride, the St. Louis Arch, the Lotus Casino. I had spent thousands of miles worried I'd be betrayed by a friend, but these friends would never do that. They had done nothing but save me over and over, and now they wanted to sacrifice their lives for my mom. I know what to do, I said. Take these. I handed them each a purse a pearl. Annabeth said, but Percy. I turned and faced my mother. I desperately wanted to sacrifice myself and use the last pearl on her, but I knew what she would say. She would never allow it. I had to get the bolt back to Olympus and tell Zeus the truth. I had to stop the war. She would never forgive me if I saved her instead. I thought about the prophecy made at Half-Blood Hill, what seemed like a million years ago. You will fail to see what matters most in the end. I'm sorry, I told her. I'll be back. I'll find a way. The smug look on Hades' face faded. He said, Godling? I'll find your helm, helm, uncle. I told him, I'll return it. Remember about Karen's pay raise. Do not defy me. And it wouldn't hurt to play with Cerberus once in a while. He likes red rubber balls. Percy Jackson, you will not. Now, guys! We smashed the pearls at our feet. For a scary moment, nothing happened. Hades yelled, Destroy them! The army of skeletons rushed forward, swords out, guns clinking, clicking to full automatic. The Furies lunged, their whips bursting into flame. 
Just as the skeletons opened fire, the pearl fragments at my feet exploded with a burst of green light and a gust of fresh sea wind. I was encased in a milky white sphere, which was starting to float off the ground. Annabeth and Grover were right behind me. Spears and bullets sparked harmlessly off the pearl bubbles as we floated up. Hades yelled with such rage. The entire fortress shook, and I knew it was not going to be a peaceful night in L.A. Look up! Grover yelled. We're going to crash! Sure enough, we were racing right toward the stalactites, which I figured would pop our bubbles and skewer us. How do you control these things? Annabeth shouted. I don't think you do! I shouted back. We screamed as the bubbles slammed into the ceiling. And darkness. Were we dead? No. I could still feel the racing sensation. We were going up, right through solid rock as easily as an air bubble in water. That was the power of the pearls, I realized. What belongs to the sea will always return to the sea. For a few moments, I couldn't see anything outside the smooth walls of my sphere. Then my pearl broke through on the ocean floor. The two other milky spheres, Annabeth and Grover, kept pace with me as we soared upward through the water. And kerblam! We exploded on the surface, in the middle of the Santa Monica Bay, knocking the surfer off his, do- off his board with the indignant, DUDE! I grabbed Grover and hauled him over to a life buoy. I caught Annabeth and dragged her over too. A curious shark was circling us, a great white about 11 feet long. I said, beat it. The shark turned and raced away. The surfer screamed something about bad mushrooms and paddled away from us as fast as he could. Somehow I knew what time it was. Early morning, June 21st, the day of the summer solstice. In the distance, Los Angeles was on fire, plumes of smoke rising from neighborhoods all over the city. There had been an earthquake, all right, and it was Hades' fault. He was probably sending an army of the dead after me right now. But at, but at the moment, the underworld wasn't my biggest problem. I had to get to shore. I had to get Zeus's thunderbolt back to Olympus. Most of all, I'd had to have a serious conversation with the god who tricked me. And that is the end of chapter 19. That was a pretty interesting chapter considering how Percy was able to, you know, get out of the underworld, which is really kind of, you know, heroic because Hades is a god and escaping from a god is pretty, pretty awesome. So, yeah, and um, I think we all know who Percy's going to have that conversation with. And uh, if you don't know, then stay until chapter 20 after these ads. Welcome back from the ads, and now we read chapter 20, I Battle My Jerk Relative. A Coast Guard boat picked us up, but they were too busy to keep us for long, or to wonder how three kids in street clothes had gone into the middle of the bay. There was a disaster to mop up. Their radios were jammed with distress calls. They dropped us off at the Santa Monica Pier with towels around our shoulders and water bottles that said, I'm a junior Coast Guard, and sped off to save more people. Our, cl- our clothes were sopping wet, even mine. When the Coast Guard boat had appeared, I silently prayed that they wouldn't pick me out of the water and finally perfectly dry, which might have raised some eyebrows. So I wi- I'd willed myself to get soaked. Sure enough, my usual waterproof magic had abandoned me. I was also barefoot because I'd given my shoes to Grover. Better the Coast Guard wonder why one of us was barefoot than wonder why one of us had hooves. After reaching dry land, we stumbled down the beach watching the city burn against this beautiful sunrise. 
I felt as if I'd just come back from the dead, which I had. My backpack was heavy with, the, with Zeus's master bolt. My heart was even heavier from seeing my mother. I don't believe it, Annabeth said. We went all that way. It was a trick, I said. A strategy worthy of Athena. Hey, she warned. You, don't, you get it, don't you? She dropped her eyes, her anger fading. Yeah, I get it. Well, I don't, Grover complained. Would somebody... Percy, Annabeth said. I'm sorry about your mother. I'm so sorry. I pretended not to hear her. If I talked about my mother, I was going to start crying like a little kid. The prophecy was right, I said. You shall go west and face the god who has turned. But it wasn't Hades. Hades didn't want war among the big three. Someone else pulled off the theft. Someone stole Zeus's master bolt and Hades' helm. And framed me because I'm Poseidon's kid. Poseidon will get blamed by both sides. By sundown today, there will be a three-way war. And I'll have caused it. Grover shook his head, mystified. But who would be that sneaky? Who would want war that bad? I stopped in my tracks, looking down at my looking down the beach. Gee, let me think. There he was, waiting for us in his black leather duster and sun, and his sunglasses. An aluminum baseball bat propped on his shoulder. His motorcycle rumbled beside him. His the its headlight turned the sand red. Hey kid, Ares said, seeming genuine, genuinely pleased to see me. You were supposed to die. You tricked me, I said. You stole the helm and the master bolt. Ares grinned. Well now, I didn't steal them personally. Gods taking each other's symbols of power? That's a big no-no. But you're not the only hero in the world who can run errands. Who did you use? Clarice? She was there at the winter solstice. The idea seemed to amuse him. Doesn't matter. The point is, kid, you're impeding the war effort. See, you've got to die in the underworld. Then old seaweed will be mad at Hades for killing you. Corpse Bird will have Zeus's master bolt, so Zeus will be mad at him. And Hades is still looking for this. From his pocket, he took out a ski cap, the, tie, the kind bank robbers wear, and placed it between the handball, handlebars of his bike. Immediately, the cap transformed into an elaborate bronze war helmet. The Helm of Darkness, Grover gasped. Exactly, Ares said. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah. Hades will be mad at both Zeus and Poseidon because he doesn't know who took this. Pretty soon, we got a nice little three-way slugfest going. But they're your family, Amber protested. Ares shrugged. Best kind of war, always the bloodiest. Nothing like watching your relatives fight, I always say. You gave me the backpack in Denver, I said. The Master Bowl was in there the whole time. Yes and no, Ares said. It's probably too complicated for your little mortal brain to follow, but the backpack is the Master Bolt's sheath. Just morphed a little, a bit. The bolt is connected to it. Sort of like that sword you got, kid. It always returns to your pocket, right? I wasn't sure how Ares knew about that, but I guess a god of war had to make it his business to know about weapons. Anyway, Ares continued, I tinkered with the magic a bit, so the boat would only, bolt will only return to the sheath once you reach the underworld. You get close to Hades, bingo, you got mail. If you, got, if you died along the way, no loss, I still had the weapon. But why not just keep the master bolt for yourself, I said. Why send it to Hades? Ares got a twitch in his jaw. For a moment, it was almost as if he were listening to another voice, deep inside his head. Why didn't I? Yeah. With that kind of firepower? 
He held the trance for one second, two seconds. I exchanged nervous looks with Annabeth. Aerie's face cleared. I don't want the trouble. Better to have you caught red-handed and holding the thing. You're lying, I said. Sending the bolt to the underworld wasn't your idea, was it? Of course it was. Smoke drifted up from his sunglasses as if they were about to catch fire. You didn't order the theft, I guessed. Someone else sent a hero to steal the two items. Then when Zeus sent you to hunt him down, you caught the thief. But you didn't turn him over to Zeus. Something convinced you to let him go. You kept the items until another hero could come along and complete the delivery. That thing in the pit is ordering you around. I am the god of war. I take orders from no one. I don't have dreams. I hesitated. Who said anything about dreams? Ares looked agitated, but he tried to cover it with a smirk. Let's get back to the problem at hand, kid. You're alive. I can't have you taking that bolt to Olympus. You just might get those hard-headed idiots to listen to you. So I've got to kill you. Nothing personal. He snapped his fingers. The sand exploded at his feet and outcharged a wild boar, even larger and uglier than the one whose head hung above the door of Cabin 7 at Camp Half-Blood. The beast pawed the sand, glaring at me with beady eyes as it low as it lowered its razor-sharp tusks and waited for the command to kill. I stepped into the surf. Fight me yourself, Ares. He laughed, but I heard a little edge to his laughter. An uneasiness. You only got one talent, kid. Running away. You ran from the Chimera. You ran from the Underworld. You don't have what it takes. Scared? In your adolescent dreams. But his sunglasses were starting to melt from the heat of his eyes. No direct involvement. Sorry, kid. You're not at my level. Percy, run! Annabeth said. The giant boar charged, but I was done running from monsters, or Hades, or Ares, from a- or anybody. As the boar rushed me, I uncapped my pen and sidestepped. Riptide appeared in my hands, and I slashed upward. The boar's severed right tusk fell at my feet, while a disoriented animal charged into the sea. I shouted, Wave! Immediately, a wave surged up from nowhere and engulfed the boar, wrapping around it like a blanket. The beast squealed once in terror, then it was gone, swallowed by the seas. I turned back to Ares. Are you going to fight me now? I asked, or are you going to hide behind another pet pig? Ares' face was purple with rage. Watch it, kid. I could turn you into a a cockroach, I said, or a tapeworm. Yeah, I'm sure. That'd save you from getting your godly hide whipped, wouldn't it? Flames danced along the top of his glasses. Oh, man, you are really asking to be smashed into a grease spot. If I lose, turn me into anything you want. Take the bolt. If I win, the helm and the bolt are mine, and you have to go away. Ares sneered. He swung the baseball bat off his shoulder. How would you like to get smashed, classic or modern? I showed him my sword. That's cool, dead boy, he said. Classic it is. The baseball bat changed into a huge two-handed sword. The hilt was a large silver skull with a ruby in its mouth. Percy, Annabeth said, don't do this. He's a god. He's a coward, I told her. She swallowed. Wear this, at least, for luck. She took off her necklace. With her five years worth of camp beads in the ring from her father and tied it around my neck. Reconsolation, she said. Athena and Poseidon together. My face felt a little warm, but I managed to smile. Thanks. And take this, Grover said. 
He handed me a flattened tin can that he'd probably been saving in his pocket for a thousand miles. The satires stand behind you. Grover, I don't know what to say. He patted me on the shoulder. I stuffed the tin can in my back pocket. You all done saying goodbye? Ares came toward me, his black leather duster trailing behind him, his sword glinting like fire in the sunrise. I've been fighting for eternity, kid. My strength is unlimited and I cannot die. What have you got? A smaller ego, I thought, but I said nothing. I kept my feet in the surf, backing into the water up to my ankles. I thought back to what Annabeth had said at, at the Denver diner so long ago. Ares has strength. That's all he has. Even strength has to bow to wisdom sometimes. He cleaved downward at my head, but I wasn't there. My body thought for me. The water seemed to push me into the air as I, and I catapulted over him, slashing as I came down. But Ares was just as quick. He twisted, and the strike that should have caught him directly in the spine was deflected off the end of his sword hilt. He grinned. Not bad, not bad. He slashed again, and I was forced to jump onto dry land. I tried to sidestep to get, try and get back into the water, but Ares seemed to know what I wanted. He outmaneuvered me, pressing so hard I had to put all my concentration on not getting sliced into pieces. I kept backing away from the surf. I couldn't find any openings to attack. His sword had a reach several feet longer than Anaclusmos. Getting close, Luca told me once, back in our sword class. When you've got the shorter blade, get in close. I stepped inside with a thrust, but Ares was waiting for that. He knocked my blade out of my hands and kicked me in the chest. I went airborne, 20, maybe 30 feet. I would have broken my back if I hadn't cr crashed into the soft sand of a dune. Percy, Annabeth yelled, cops. I was seeing double. My chest felt like it had just been hit with a battering ram, but I managed to get to my feet. I couldn't look away from Ares for fear he'd slice me in half. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw red lights flashing on the shoreline boulevard. Car doors were slamming. There, officer! Somebody yelled, see? A gruff cop voice. Looks like that kid on TV. What the heck? That guy's armed, another cop said. Call for backup. I rolled to one side as Ares' blade slashed the sand. I ran for my sword, scooped it up, and launched a swipe at Ares' face, only to find my blade deflected again. Ares seemed to know exactly what I was going to do the moment before I did it. I sat back into the toward the surf, following him, forcing him to follow. Admit it, kid. You've got no hope. I'm just toying with you. My senses were working overtime. I now understood what Annabeth said, had said about ADHD keeping you alive in battle. I was a wide awake, noticing every little detail. I could see where Ares was tensing. I could tell which way he would strike. At the same time, I was aware of Annabeth and Grover. Thirty feet to my left, I saw a second car, a cop car, pulling up. Siren wailing. Spectators, people who had been wandering the streets because of the earthquake, were starting to gather. Among the crowd, I thought I saw a few who were walking with a strange trotting gait of disguised satires. There were shimmering forms of spirits, too, as if the dead had risen from Hades to watch the battle. I heard the flap of leathery wings circling somewhere above. More sirens. I stepped farther into the water, but Ares was fast. The tip of his blade ripped my sleeve and grazed my forearm. A police voice on a megaphone said, Drop the guns! Set them on the ground, now! Guns? I looked at Ares' weapon, and it seemed to be flickering. Sometimes it looked like a shotgun, sometimes it's a two-handed sword. 
I didn't know what the humans were seeing in my hands, but I was pretty sure it wouldn't make them like me. Ares turned to glare at our spectators, which gave me a moment to breathe. There were five police cars now, and a line of officers crouching behind them, pistols trained on us. This is a private matter, Ares bellowed. Be gone! He swept his hand, and a wall of red flame rolled across the patrol cars. The police barely had time to dive for cover before their vehicles exploded, and the crowd behind them scattered, screaming. Ares roared with laughter. Now, little hero, let's add you to the barbecue. He slashed. I deflected his blade. I got close enough to strike. I tried, tried to fake him out with a feint, but my blow was knocked aside. The waves were hitting me in the back now. Ares was up to his thighs, wading in after me. I felt the rhythm of the sea, the waves growing larger as the tide rolled in. And suddenly, I had an idea. Little waves, I thought, and the water behind me seemed to recede. I was holding back the tide by the force of will. But tension was building, like carbon act, car, carbon, carbonation behind a cork. Ares came forward, grinning confidently. I lowered my blade, as if I were too exhausted to go on. Wait for it. I told the sea. The pressure now was almost lifting me off my feet. Ares raised his sword. I released the tide and jumped, rocketing straight over Ares on a wave. A six-foot wall of water smashed him full in the face, leaving him cursing and sputtering with a mouth full of seaweed. I landed behind him with a splash and fainted it toward his head. As I'd be done before, he turned in time to raise his sword, but this time he was disoriented. He didn't anticipate the trick. I changed direction, lunged to the side, and stabbed Riptide straight down into the water, sending the point through the god's heel. The roar that followed made Hades' earthquake look like a minor event. The very sea was blasted back from Ares, leaving a wet circle of sandy sand 50 feet wide. Ikor, the golden blood of the gods, flowed from a gash in the war god's boot. The expression on his face was beyond hatred. It was pain, shock, complete disbelief that he'd been wounded. He limped toward me, muttering ancient Greek curses. Something stopped him. It was as if a cloud covered the sun, but worse. Light faded, sound and color drained away. A cold, heavy presence passed over the beach, slowing time, dropping the temperature to freezing and making me feel like life was hopeless. Fighting was useless. The darkness lifted. Ares looked stunned. Police cars were burning behind us. The crowd of spectators had fled. Annabeth and Grover stood on the beach in shock, watching the water flood back around Ares' feet, his gold, glowing golden ichor dissipating in the tide. Ares lowered his sword. You have made an enemy, godling, he told me. You have sealed your fate. Every time you raise your battle, blade in battle, every time you hope for success, you will feel my curse. Beware, Perseus Jackson. Beware. His body began to glow. Percy! Annabeth shouted. Don't watch! I turned away as the god Ares revealed his true, true immortal form. I somehow knew that if I looked, I would disintegrate into ashes. The light died. I looked back. Ares was gone. The tide rolled out to reveal Hades' bronze helm of darkness. I picked it up and walked toward my friends. But before I got there, I heard the flapping of leathery wings. Three evil-looking grandmothers with lace hats and fiery whips drifted down the sky and landed in front of me. The middle fury, the one who had been Mrs. Dodds, stepped forward. Her fangs were bared, but for once she didn't look threatening. She looked more disappointed, as if she'd been planning to have me for supper. 
But I decided I might give her indigestion. We saw the whole thing. She hissed. So, so, it was truly not, truly was not you? I tossed her the helmet, which she caught in surprise. Return that to Lord Hades, I said. Tell him the truth. Tell him to call off the war. She hesitated, then ran a forked tongue over her green leathery lips. Live well, Percy Jackson's son. Become a true hero. Because if you do not, if you even come into my clutches again. She cackled, savoring the idea. Then she and her sisters rose on their bat's wings, fluttered into the smoke-filled sky and disappeared. I joined Grover and Annabeth, who were staring at me in amazement. Percy, Grover said, that was so incredibly terrifying, said Annabeth. Cool, Grover corrected. I didn't feel terrified. I certainly didn't feel cool. I was tired and sore and completely drained of energy. Did you guys feel that? Whatever it was? I asked. They both nodded uneasily. Must have been the furies overhead, Grover said. But I wasn't so sure. Something had stopped Ares from killing me. And whatever could do that, that was a lot stronger than the furies. I looked at Annabeth, and an understanding passed between us. I knew now what was in that pit, what had spoken from the entrance of Tartarus. I reclaimed my backpack from Grover and looked inside. The master boat was still there, such a small thing to almost cause World War III. We have to get back to New York, I said, by tonight. That's impossible, Annabeth said, unless we fly, I agreed. She stared at me. Fly like in an airplane, which you were warned never to do, lest Zeus strike you out of the sky, and carrying a weapon that has more destructive power than a nuclear bomb? Yeah, I said. Pretty much exactly like that. Come on. And that is the end of chapter 20. And that was amazing how Percy was able to fight, you know, Ares. And I guess Annabeth was right when Annabeth was telling Percy about how, you know, you Ares doesn't really apply that much wisdom whenever he's fighting with someone. He only uses his strength. So, you know, brains over brawl sometimes wins. So, yeah, I guess Percy, using his intellectual mind, was able to, you know, beat Ares, the god of war. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. And now they have to figure out how to get back to Olympus. And that and you will know about that next week. Stay safe and stay out of boredom.